Welcome back to the Lombardi Line. Hour number two, Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you from the tip of the strip, the South Point Hotel, Casino, and Spa, taking a look at the Wednesday action in the NBA. A shorter card for Wednesday after a pretty heavy slate on Tuesday. And, Wes, there were some wild ones out west last night. The Golden State Warriors beat the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix, their second straight loss after losing to the Lakers on Sunday. And then speaking of the Lakers, a wild one with the New York Knicks, which they end up prevailing 101 to 99 in overtime and I tell you what it's funny we've got the two teams in the Western Conference of course the Dallas Mavericks they were hammered by the Memphis Grizzlies the two teams in the Western Conference that are right on the bubble as far as being in the play-in round or avoiding it are where we have seen the two stars voice their opinion about the play-in round LeBron James and Luka Doncic and they are right there on the fence between that six and seven hole with their you know play-in or or non-play-in lives uh, right on writing on the last three games of the season and both teams uh, did get wins uh, uh, the uh, Dallas Mavericks actually the Dallas Mavericks lost but the Lakers did win last night overtime over the Knicks so now right there at six and seven and of course you've got Portland who uh, did get a win over Houston Lakers are going to get the Houston Rockets tonight Houston albeit they are long out of the playoffs and obviously very shorthanded from a just a body standpoint they have been covering these big numbers a little bit so Lakers lay in 13 here uh, LeBron's scheduled to make his return he's still listed as questionable but we thought he was going to come back for the Knicks, against the Knicks last night that did not happen happen and maybe that he wanted to come back against one of the weaker teams kind of the little sisters of the poor this season in the NBA and they certainly get that tonight if he wants to come back with the Houston Rockets at 16 and 53 Lakers lane 13 maybe a small lean to the Rockets here just because they have been covering these big numbers and also the fact that because they're such a bad team sometimes you'll get a team that's like okay we can get our B effort and we can still beat this team, and that's why they've been covering these big numbers. Plus, if LeBron comes back tonight, obviously wait because the number is going to go up. If he's back, it'll probably go to 14, or it'll probably go to 14 and a half because uh, it's not assumed that he's going to play yet at this standpoint. So kind of wait on that because we saw it last night. I think when we were on yesterday for this show, it was five and a half, five against the Knicks, and then all of a sudden, what did it close last night? Like two and a half, three? I, I don't the, know, to be honest. Because it got adjusted because they thought LeBron was going to be back, and then he wasn't back. And uh, this is kind of the night where we're seeing returns a little bit here. Now we're seeing James Harden expected to return tonight for Brooklyn. This line against San Antonio, I believe, was three. Now seeing some sixes out there in the market. So this is the night for guys uh, that have been out for a while and star players to get healthy, I guess. So James Harden, by the way, this is breaking news. He's been out since uh, April 5th with that hamstring strain but he is probable for tonight's game against san antonio you are now seeing six in the market the numbers are adjusting on my screen as they speak yeah i'd be with you leaning towards the rockets and the points tonight and you know josh applebaum always says the 6 p.m rule when you got to see who's in the lineup Mm -hmm. so we'll, we'll wait and see what's going to happen there but the lakers have had a couple of very big wins in a row over phoenix and then the win in overtime they were really tested by the new york knicks last night at the staples center 
So, you know, is a letdown in the making here, or are they going to continue to ride the momentum? My uh, my side would be to take the Rockets and the points here. You mentioned James Harding returning for Brooklyn. Let's talk about that game as well, which has playoff implications for both teams. It's the Spurs at the Nets, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And San Antonio, they look to be firmly planted in the final play-in spot out west. They've got a two-and-a-half game cushion with three games left to play. Now, the Nets, they only lead Milwaukee by one game for second place in the Eastern Conference. Brooklyn is favored tonight by uh, by five here at BetMGM. And as you mentioned, Wes, seeing some sixes in the market right now, 233 your total. And Philadelphia did lose last night, so now the Nets are within two games of Philly, so there is still a possibility that they could maybe get that one seed. It's probably a long shot at this standpoint, but James Harden coming back, I think this is probably the time where you need to see him come back to see if at least they can stay ahead of Milwaukee. And by the way, Milwaukee did beat the Nets uh, a couple times in in the last week sure or so. Sure did, yeah. Back-to-back, actually, in Milwaukee. So would you much rather have, if you get that semifinal matchup, you would much rather have, obviously, a potential Game 7 at home instead of having to go there because Milwaukee kind of had their number over the last couple weeks. So uh, looking at this, we're seeing the adjustment has been made. San Antonio, I think, I believe, needs one more win, and they will finally be able to clinch that spot uh, for the uh, 10 spot really in the West because Sacramento two and a half back Sacramento did win over Oklahoma city last night to try to keep some pace. But with the adjustment already made, I'm not going to play it now. I couldn't play Brooklyn now because it's now moved from three to six and even uh, might see some six and a halves out there. I think you're seeing that in some overseas markets right now. But if anything, I might lean to San Antonio because all of a sudden when you've been playing a month without a guy, Sometimes it takes a game or two to get used to a guy back in the lineup. So, yeah, it's important from a seeding standpoint, but it's also important for a guy to get some reps going into the playoffs and kind of play himself into game shape over these last three regular season games. So it's like, okay, if we don't chase down Philly and get that number one seed, or even if we don't stay ahead of Milwaukee for the two spot, at least we've got our guy back, and that's probably maybe even more important. I think Steve Nash uh, and the Brooklyn Nets uh, staff are going to see that as more important. Hey, let's get our guy in shape here. Let's get him a few reps and get him some minutes, get his wind up, because there's being in shape and then there's being in game shape, and obviously James Harden not in game shape, so we'll see what the minutes are tonight, too. He is probable. That doesn't mean he's necessarily going to play 38, 40 minutes. He might play 20 to 22 tonight, so... Small lean, I guess, at this number. Now it's gone up to six and maybe and still rise as you get closer to tip-off. Small lean to San Antonio here. San Antonio has obviously been very erratic. They haven't been scoring a lot because they've had a couple players out, including Derek White. But this is a team, I think... Uh, you're usually going to get an effort out of these guys, even whether it's a winning effort or a losing effort, they're usually going to bring it under coach pop. So would lean San Antonio, but I would certainly wait on it because you may get more line value closer to tip. Yep. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I'm not going to bet the game yet anyway, but I, I think you might get six and a half or seven here. Eventually as the fans get excited at seven, that might be a small buy for me. Yep. Yep. We will see. No, I, I'm uh, I would be leaning towards San Antonio as well. The Pelicans at the Mavericks, 
Mavericks. This is a 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern start. And we talked about the Dallas Mavericks trying to remain in that six hole and avoid the play-in round in the West. They did not help their cause on Tuesday night, falling hard at Memphis, 133-104. to Now, they make the trip back home, a back-to-back, and they play in their own building tonight. And they are laying nine points at home to the Pelicans. This has come down a little bit earlier this morning. It was double digits. Your total West is 224. Yeah, no margin for error really now for the Pelicans. They are tied with Sacramento to try to get that 10 spot away from San Antonio. So basically, San Antonio is going to need one more win down the stretch, and they will absolutely clinch that spot. Porzingis going to be questionable. He did miss last night. Of course, the Memphis Grizzlies all over the Dallas Mavericks last night. So the Grizzlies basically clinched their spot in that 7 to 10 range. We'll see how the seeding works out. They're either going to be the 8 or the 9. So we shall see going forward forward but New Orleans is just uh, they're they're still playing I'll give them credit now they were competitive against the Grizzlies on Monday and they lost that might have sealed their fate they did get a win in Charlotte on Sunday so they actually I believe have covered the last three games without Zion Williamson but you've got no Zion Williamson you've got no Brandon Ingram you've got no Lonzo Ball you've got no Steven Adams Josh Hart has been out for the better part of a month so I really couldn't take the Palace here. Now, I think nine could be high for Dallas because you don't know if Porzingis is going to be back or you don't know if maybe Lucas sits on a back-to-back. So this is one I'm going to stay away from, but I think the Pelicans are absolutely running out of time here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think San Antonio is your is your 10th spot representative in the Western Conference. The uh, Trailblazers and the Jazz, this ought to be a good one as well. This is 6.30 Pacific, 9.30 Eastern in Portland. They are also tied with Dallas in the Western Conference, so they too looking to avoid that play-in round, and they've won four in a row, but it'll be a stiffer test tonight in Salt Lake City against the Jazz. Utah is a very short favorite here by two points with a total of 234. Yeah, a very short favorite for a team that's got a two-game lead for the one seed in the Western Conference and uh, with just three games of play. Now, we know Utah is clearly not at full strength right now. They've had Donovan Mitchell out for the better part of a month or so. Juwan Morgan not going to go. Michael Conley Jr. not going to go tonight. So Utah is not really at full strength. I got to give them and Quinn Snyder credit, though. They've continued to be this number one seed where you got a Phoenix team that's been very aggressive in trying to get that one seed, and they've been able to hold them at bay so far. Uh, lean here to the Portland Trailblazers, actually, in this spot. I know that this is a very small number, but I think it's a small number for a reason. Jazz won the first matchup of the season against Portland, that all the way back on opening night 120 to 1 100 and uh, then one again just about a month ago in Salt Lake 122 to 103 Blazers have won four in a row they control their own destiny to try to stay in that sixth spot they have the tiebreaker over the Lakers if they finish with the same record Portland would get that sixth spot so look up uh, I-, I would be leaning to Portland here in the spot I just think that the Jazz not uh, very shorthanded and still laying a number at home in a game that if they win, they could basically clinch the number one seed. Both these two teams are like to fire it from three jazz take, I believe 45.5% of their shots from three and Portland right behind at 41.8%. So two of the top in terms of attempts, three point shooting in the league and also in terms of shooting percentage. So 
I'm going to lean here, and I'm probably going to try to maybe be on the Blazers here in this spot. You could have got a better number, I believe, in the overnight. So now that it's down to two, there is a philosophy of maybe I can wait until the overnight or not the overnight in terms of the end game and see if I can get a better number on the Portland Trailblazers. I know two seems kind of light, but I'm not wanting to lay it with the Jazz. Yeah, I thought early this morning I saw closer towards three and a half in Mm -hmm. favor of Utah. Um, We will get to some NFL schedule talk here in the next segment. Week one of the NFL schedule has been released. The season will kick off 121 days from now, a Thursday night affair on September 9th with the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Dallas Cowboys. We will do that momentarily. But, Wes, let's update some baseball here. We've got three early games underway. It started with Baltimore and the New York Mets, Matt Harvey and Taiwan Walker. We've got Sonny Gray and Trevor, uh, Trevor Cahill at PNC Park in Pittsburgh. And then also the Cubs and the Indians just now getting underway. Give us some updates. Uh, I know the Mets were out front early, and that makes me happy. Yeah, they got three runs off Matt Harvey in the second inning, both pitchers had relatively clean innings in the opening frame and then added another run. Dominic Smith with the base hit scores a run. Smith was the one that tied the game last night in the bottom of the night for the Mets that they went on to win. So Mets got a four-run lead, getting some support for Taiwan Walker, who's been very good this year. Matt Harvey struggling through three innings, giving up six hits and four earned runs already. And after two innings, Sonny Gray and the Cincinnati Reds lead the Pittsburgh Pirates one to nothing. A rubber match there at PNC. Sonny Gray been absolutely very good for the Cincinnati Reds this year, but just nothing to show for it with an 0 and 2 record. And top of the first inning here, and the Cubs have a couple of base runners, Wes, in Cleveland. They do. Henkes, the left-hander going, I believe, pretty much it looks like it's going to be an opening role for Henkes. Has not made a full start yet this season. So this was one I did kind of lean to the under a little bit just because you've got a couple swing and miss offenses here. So maybe some strikeouts were going to be in order. A friendly home plate umpire. So that's why I think you got that bet to the under. I did end up betting the under in Cincinnati and Pittsburgh and so far now going to the third inning. one nothing Reds in the top of the third the one run was a home run by Mike Moustakis in the top of the second so red legs with a one nothing lead in Pittsburgh and then seeing if Henkes can get out of the jam here he has pushed uh, a couple runners on base there is two outs here but a swing and a miss he is going to leave two runners on base so no damage done for the Cubs in the top of the first bottom half of the frame here in Cleveland all tied at zero all right let's take a look at a game coming up a little bit later this afternoon in the National League East between the Washington Nationals and the Philadelphia Phillies, 405 Pacific, 705 Eastern. It'll be Zach Wheeler versus John Lester, and Washington has dropped three straight. The Phillies are just one game back of the Mets in the division, and uh, the Mets looking pretty good right now. Philadelphia will have to hold serve with a win of their own to remain just one game back in the division. Philadelphia, a road favorite here, minus 130 on the money line with a total of eight. Zach Wheeler's put up some pretty good numbers this year for Philadelphia, 280. 83 on the ERA, 321 on the XFIP. The strikeouts per nine innings have improved this season, 9.3 versus 6.7 last year. So you're seeing Wheeler do very well, and this is a Nationals team that struggles against what right-handed pitching. 294 Waba, that's the fifth worst in all of baseball. John Lester, so far, he's only pitched 10 innings this year, but 310 on the fielding independent pitching. I know that the sample size is small, but... 
He's facing an, a team that's pretty average against left-handed pitching, that being the Philadelphia Phillies, basically right in the middle of the league. So lean a little bit to the under here, especially in the first five. It's eight and a half right now at a lot of places, eight over minus 115 at BetMGM. Basically four and a half here in the market, and that's the way I would approach this Bills and Nationals game is under first five at four and a half. All right, Russ, real quick here. Can Danny Duffy cure what ails the the Kansas City Royals? They have now lost nine in a row. Did you, I don't know if you saw this last night. They scored four runs in the top of the ninth inning to tie the ball game, only to lose it in the bottom of the ninth. They were down seven nothing at one point. Now nine straight losses for the Royals. It'll be Danny Duffy versus Casey Mize today and Duffy a big favorite, minus 150 on the road. We'll see if uh, Wes thinks they can break that streak. But we're talking NFL next. The week one schedule is out. We'll be right back on VSIN. Lombardi line presented by BetMGM, Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you live from the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa. And of course, earlier this morning, week one of the NFL 2021 schedule did come out and we've got a Monday nighter right here at Allegiant Stadium. We'll kick that off with the Raiders and the Baltimore Ravens and the Ravens currently about a five or six point favorite there. Of course, fans will be in the building. It'll be a big night. That will be September 13th for the Las Vegas Raiders as they kind of really make their debut in this city in full in full force with fans in the building and what have you. On September 9th, Thursday, that will kick off the season with the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Dallas Cowboys. And Tampa Bay has been installed as about a six-and-a-half-point favorite there. But as far as the Sunday schedule, Wes, of course, that is where the meat of the action will go down. And I want to ask you about a very interesting game. This ought to be a good one. Your Indianapolis Colts will open up with the Seattle Seahawks. And right now, I am seeing Indianapolis as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And you know you love to bet favorites under a field goal. You love to bet the underdog when it's more than a field goal. I would be leaning with the Colts at less than three points. I would, too. And there is a three now at the market at a notable sports book here in town, just releasing their week one lines for this card. So lean with the Colts here in this spot. Obviously, when you look at the Colts, them and the Titans, there's not really a big margin between them. If you're judging by the AFC South division prices, I've seen the Colts basically even money Titans like plus a dollar 10 plus a buck 25 you know six to five somewhere in that range so not a big difference between the two playoff teams in that division then of course of course you've got trouble in Houston you've got a Jacksonville team that's undergoing a rebuild that won one game with the new coach first time NFL head coach rookie quarterback the number one pick overall gonna start so you would think logically this is going to be a two-team division although one of those teams and maybe Jacksonville is going to be better than expected but probably not a contender to win the division Colts did make some news not officially announced they've got to work out the contract stuff but Eric Fisher Mm -hmm. the former uh 
top uh, first-round draft pick for the Kansas City Chiefs, started at left tackle with them for years, now going to come aboard. Of course, he is battling that Achilles injury, so I don't know if he's going to be ready week one, but he looks like he's on schedule to play this season. And no surprise that the Colts went that route for some insurance because Chris Ballard, of course, was in Kansas City, was in not the ultimate high top general manager, but was in the front office. So you see him sign a lot of these old Chiefs. We saw it with Justin Houston mm-hmm. at defensive end a couple of years ago, and now with Eric Fisher. So it's going to be either Eric Fisher or Sam TV, who they got in a free agency, I believe, from the Chargers. So one of those two guys is going to have to play left tackle. Anthony Costanzo now retired, but especially if it's Fisher. If you got a guy that can return to health and you put him on that O-line with Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, also former first-round draft picks, that's one of the better lines in the league. So that's something to be confident about. I think this offense, Wentz uh, obviously reunited with Frank Reich, is going to have to develop, but he's certainly got the tools around him. Maybe they want to add a receiver, even though they got a pretty solid core. They've got a really good group of running backs. So I'm not really worried about the Colts' offense. It's can they get pressure on the opposing quarterback and get their defense off the field so they're not extending drives. But I do like them in this spot here. Seattle just really didn't seem to do a lot. They're usually very aggressive in the offseason, and I really didn't see a lot of movement. They're kind of like in place, and maybe it's deceiving because the Rams are going for it with that deal with Matt Stafford. And then the 49ers, you got to think, are going to be improved because they're going to be healthy. The Arizona Cardinals look like they're better from 8-8. Eight and eight, So, Well, let's talk about that one. Let's yes. stick in your AFC South. And you talked about the Titans, uh, another short shot to win the division there, just a close second behind the favored Colts. The Titans will be hosting the Arizona Cardinals, and they too are currently a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And I'll tell you what, if I could get the three, I'd be on Arizona. Yeah, I, I would be as well. I think that this offense is going to be very dynamic. Uh, They've added A.J. Green. I don't know how much he has left, but I think he could at least contribute. No, he's not the man because you have DeAndre Hopkins, of course, there. They drafted Rondale Moore out of Purdue. This is going to be an explosive offense. Now, can they get enough stops? And that's why they went and signed J.J. Watt to put him on the other side of Chandler Jones, see if they can get that pass rush because that secondary has been picked apart a little bit. Very young there in Arizona. Arizona, but the talent on this team you certainly got to like. I know Kingsbury still an inexperienced head coach. Kyler Murray still a young quarterback, but the offensive talent for this team is really something to behold. And I think I know you like them as a sleeper, and I think they very much well could be. I just like that entire division. I think every team in that division is pretty darn good and probably stronger than the AFC South. So if you're going to give me points at Tennessee, my first reaction would be to take them. We're going to join Steve Mackin and next. He is the editor of Point Spread Weekly, and of course, that just hit your inbox not too long ago. We'll see what he's got cooking when we return right here on the Lombardi Line. If you 
missed any of our show today or any of the VSIN broadcasts, be sure to check out our free VSIN podcast. You can catch up on Follow the Money with Mitch and Polly, a numbers game, the Lombardi line on the daily VSIN Best Bets podcast. Also, check out Beating the Book with Gil Alexander, the Josh Applebaum Market Insights pod, or get PGA Tour betting reviews on Long Shots, the Ron Flatter Racing pod, and also the NBA scoop with JVT on Hardwood Handicappers. Whatever you're betting, we have a pod for it. Find them all for free at vsin.com slash podcast. That's vsin.com slash podcast. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you. Time to join Steve Mackinnon. And Steve, I know you can rest for a minute when you join us on Wednesdays because your work is complete. Point Spread Weekly, of course, you are the editor of our fine online digital publication, and that hit our inbox this morning. So you can breathe a sigh of relief that another issue is out uh, for our uh, digesting and, and another fine one indeed. And I guess you've got a little surprise for us there. You've got a special t-shirt or something for the program today, Steve? Uh, yeah, guys. Uh, in honor of uh, my alma mater, Wisconsin-Milwaukee, signing the number four recruit in the nation, today, Patrick Baldwin, I have uh, brought out my old jersey. So it's a big day for Wisconsin-Milwaukee fans. Baldwin is as smooth as silk at 6'9". Both my sons have played against this kid. This is the real deal. Uh, very excited about the signing. And some familial connections, of course, help. Pat Baldwin, who is obviously. a Northwestern North <laughs> uh, assistant. Obviously a big part. Yeah, I think it's great. I, a lot of the recruiting gurus were looking at maybe that this guy was going to go to Duke. He looks like he's going to be a one-and-done player, top five player in the country. So I think it's great for UW-Milwaukee. And, you know, if you're only going to maybe be there one year in college, why not play for your father? I know Antoine Davis did that for Mike Davis at, at Detroit Mercy. So I think it's good to see a big talented player and clearly UWM going to be must watch this year in the horizon league. Steve, as a sign of support, I'm going to go home after the show and have a bratwurst for lunch. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, whatever it takes to get in the spirit and wash it down with the line and Kugel's. Brady. <laughs> All right, Steve, uh, you have a piece in this week's issue of uh, point spread weekly, where you talk about rookie coaches in the NFL and we have six of them this year and kind of six and a half. If you include Dan Campbell, who had a little interim stint with the Miami dolphins a while back, what did your study uh, uh, spit out as far as these newbies roaming the sidelines in the NFL? Well, I mean, it's been out quite a bit. I think it's going to be a, a very interesting season. Six new coaches actually matches the high total for uh, any year of the last decade. So uh, going to be a big story to follow this year. Uh, now, uh, what I have found is that uh, there's certain spots or from last season, if you look at statistics, that will maybe uh, might project how some of these uh, six new coaches might do this year. There's also spots within the season game by game where they tend to perform better uh, than in other spots. So uh, definitely worth the read. Uh, we can go through some of the specifics if you guys would like. Well, yeah, sure. Tell me, uh, you know, as far as, you know, more, I, I think the general vibe that I got out of the article, Steve, was that generally these coaches improve their teams, the new guys. Yeah, for the most part, they do. Uh, was the the overall number? Uh, so there's been 41 uh, different head coaches over the last decade. 26 of them have actually led to an improved one loss record in that first season. So just changing the coach gives the, a team uh, maybe a, a breath of fresh air. Uh, that whether that momentum is enough to take them to the heights they want, in the verse that 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 could be a different story. 
But uh, you will see mostly improvement out of these six teams that uh, have hired the new guys. Steve, you also typically put together an issue or an article rather prior to the season or early on in a season, whether it be college football or the NFL, that deals with continuity. And talking about the offseason, if there has been stability there and not a whole lot of change to the coaching staff, obviously this case you've got new coaches coming into the league, but that generally you're saying improves a team. How does that factor into the equation as far as your stability chart that you like to put out? I tell you what, I think you can look at it two ways, Brady. If, if you have an elite team, maybe a, maybe a 12, 13 game winner, I think stability is fantastic. If you have a, a low level team, maybe one, uh, five games or less, you're looking for something, something to kickstart that team and the hiring of a new coach uh, maybe the drafting of, of top-level players, uh, a good free agent signing, those kind of things can do it. So uh, it's a little different in the college where you have a, a wide array of talent disparities. Uh, in the NFL, you just need that maybe that little shove that can give you the momentum. You need to get off to a little better start in the next season. Steve, NASCAR makes its way to Dover for the Dryden 400. Last week, of course, in Darlington, Martin Truex Jr. gets the win. And looking at your race simulation, your power ratings, the top two points leaders currently in the cup standings, Danny Hamlin, Martin Truex, 1-2. MTJ did win here a few years ago. The defending race champion, I believe, Kevin Harvick. Some other recent winners here at Dover, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, and, of course, Martin Truex Jr. So, Denny Hamlin, you're going to the top of the board with him. This used to be the fall race in Dover. Now moved to May. I believe Dover only has one cup date this year. Yeah, this is typically a fairly predictable track. Uh, Dover gets an A-minus grade on my handicap ability scale. So definitely a week you're going to maybe want to pay attention to the simulations. Uh, Denny Hamlin has yet to win this season. He seems long overdue, and this is one of his better tracks I would not be surprised if my simulation hits a winner this week. Last week, I had Martin Truex projected second in my final simulation. He was the winner. Truex again finished second. I wouldn't go much deeper this week than maybe Hamlin, Truex, uh, possibly Harvick, and then maybe a Kyle Larson as a, uh, as a longer shot. Steve, I noticed something uh, in my inbox last week, and I'm pretty sure I've seen this before, uh, where like another simulation comes out. Do you do an adjusted simulation as we get closer to the day of the race for viewers and and subscribers to look for? Yes, what I do is I'll uh, take the official starting lineup. Uh, So I I project the starting lineup in the Tuesday simulation that I run for Point Spread Weekly. Uh, then I um, send the final simulation with the actual starting lineup. Now, one of the things here that's happened this season and last season with the COVID and the lack of qualifying and practice is you're not getting as great of an idea of which cars are the best heading into that race. So a little bit of a crapshoot there. The starting positions don't haven't meant as much this season as they have in, in past years because of the fact that they earn that qualifying spot. So, uh, But the simulation does tend to change a little bit uh, come uh, Thursday or Friday when that's released. All right, my friend. Well, great to catch up with you again. And uh, congratulations again on landing that top recruit uh, in the basketball program there. Yeah, pretty exciting. Should shake up the Horizon League a little bit this Big season. Big doings for the Panthers this season. Might be a team to watch. All right, Steve. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next week. You guys, too. Great talking to you.
All right, that is Steve Mackinnon. Go check out Point Spread Weekly. Check out his NASCAR stuff. Also, his new NFL coach trend. Something to think about when you're betting season win totals. We'll be right back. We'll wrap up the program here with some more NFL and also some baseball on the Lombardi line. For home runs, but baseball betters do. New BetMGM customers can turn $1 into $100 when someone goes yard during the game. Sign up for the BetMGM app using the code VSIN100, and if you place a $1 money line wager on the Dodgers or the Mariners, you'll get $100 if either team hits a home run. It's a new customer offer paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only at exclusive. Michigan Dissociated Persons. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 800-889-9789 in Tennessee. The promotional offer is not available in Nevada. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you. Getting ready to set up the nuts down at Circa. Mike Palm and Amal Shah will join you next here. But before we pass the baton down to downtown Las Vegas, we've got a little bit more week one NFL schedule to talk. And we've covered almost every game here, Wes, but still a handful more to go over. And I want to pick out a few of the intriguing ones. And the NFL really does a very good job of setting up great matchups and intriguing matchups and matchups with storyline and all Mm -hmm. that good stuff. And, of course, they start the year off in the AFC East with the Dolphins at the Patriots. It always seems to be the last game of the year when Tom Brady and company used to travel down to to South Beach and it would be about 80 degrees and the Dolphins seem to have a big advantage there in the humidity. This one will be in Foxborough. Uh, This is a Sunday affair, an afternoon game, 425 Eastern, 125 Pacific. And here at BetMGM, the Patriots are an early two-and-a-half-point favorite. And both of these two teams kind of – really even in terms of the division Buffalo the minus money favorite to win but possibility you get two playoff teams here and everybody of course liked Miami's draft getting Jalen Waddle mm-hmm. to add a weapon for Tua so the Alabama Crimson Tide players reunited there also Will Fuller now a member of the Miami Dolphins so he gets out of jail there in Houston so Miami really trying to upgrade those weapons I think for a very young quarterback also drafted on the offensive line with Liam Eichenberg out of Notre Dame. So they are trying to improve on really both sides of the ball. And this was a team that won 10 games last year. They were the riser and the New England Patriots were the fallers. So now you got to look at the Patriots and say, okay, is this a bounce back year? They were a lot more aggressive in the free agent and also the trade market in the offseason. Didn't add a ton in the draft except for Mac Jones and Christian Barrymore, their first couple picks. Uh, Mac Jones obviously going to probably be in the two spot 
to start the season. Cam Newton re-signed for one more year. So is this kind of that transition year? Obviously, Mac Jones is the guy they want to go with long term. But you look at what the Patriots did. They did add Kendrick Bourne. They did add Nelson Aguilar. Because if you looked at those receivers, in all fairness to Cam, who played terribly last year, couldn't really get the ball down the field. Maybe he was dealing with some injuries if there's going to be a bounce back there. But he clearly has more weapons at his disposal in terms of the receiving core. Also on that side, even though the Patriots weren't a playoff team, they were still a very good defense, despite the fact that they had a couple guys opt out of the season who are now back with Dante Hightower, most notably. This is a very good secondary with Devin McCourty and Stephon Gilmore. These guys have been pro bowlers several times for this team. So a pretty good defensive unit you would expect out of New England. Initial glance, because now you do have the totals. I do want to point out a lot of these books do have the totals out as well for week one. And you look at this total. It's one of the lower ones on the board, about 45, 45 and a half. So my initial lean here uh, in terms of betting this game would be obviously what you can't really do right now, which is a teaser. <laughs> and I would want to tease Miami up because I think teasing the underdog when you have a relatively low total like you have here at 45 and a half. Cam obviously was not great last year. Tua still in his second year was still not the full-time starter last year because they played kind of musical chairs down there. Brian Flores did with he and Ryan Fitzpatrick based on kind of who was the hot quarterback at the time. So that's why you have such a low total. So I don't know really where to go on the side because these two teams are a little bit of a mystery to me. They both, I think, have potential for some good things and both have some potential to regress. So this is one I might stay out of in terms of a watch standpoint just from like a side taking two and a half or laying the two and a half. I would be more apt to tease Miami up. All right, this is an interesting game, and sure enough, the favorite has already flipped. I took a look here, and I said, well, I know which way I'm going, and apparently the market is headed that direction as well. That is the Chargers at the Washington football team, and apparently the opening line was the football team minus one. It is now flipped in favor of Los Angeles, laying one or even one and a half, and that's the way I'd be headed, Wes. I mean, you Mm -hmm. just look at these two divisions. The NFC East was a weak division last year. Washington happened to win it. The Chargers out of the AFC West was a pretty good division, and I think the Chargers, I think every team in that division has improved. I would make the Chargers a favorite over Washington. It was pretty much a consensus. Uh, Obviously, draft grades are very relative. I mean, the most important draft grades are like, okay, how is this class four years from now? Not how it is basically a week after these guys have been drafted, but one of the teams that did get the universal A grade, if you want to call it that, was the Los Angeles Chargers because they kind of waited for the board to fall to them and you had some luck along the way but getting Rashawn Slater to fall down to 13 who most people including myself had in the top 10 obviously that fills a void he is a your day one starter at left tackle and this is an offensive line that needed to improve in the Chargers and Tom Telesco really advanced it in this offensive line Corey Lindsley at center, signed a big free agent deal out of Green Bay. They also add Matt Filer in in free agency from Pittsburgh. Brian Bulaga was not healthy all last season, was kind of in and out of the lineup, so he'll be your right tackle. So all of a sudden, the Chargers have improved that offensive line. The receiving core, they still have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Austin Eckler should be back healthy and Justin Jackson, so that's a good one-two punch. So this team probably is going to score some points. Now can the defense get some 
stop. There certainly is some talent over there with Joey Bosa and with Derwin James. So you do got some elite talent on that side of the ball. But I would lean with you here with the Chargers being the small road favorite here. Fitzmagic now the starter for Washington. Washington did win that battle of attrition in the NFC East. So people, I think, are a little bit higher on them this year because their defense is so good. Washington's defense is going to continue to keep them in oh, yeah. games. They're very good. Now, do they have enough weapons around Ryan Fitzpatrick? They, of course, have Terry McLaurin, who is a very good wide receiver and now has a veteran quarterback throwing to him instead of having, you know, basically from an injury standpoint, a washed-up Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins, who they cut in the middle of the season, then had Taylor Heineke in the playoffs. So this is a clear upgrade for the football team in terms of the quarterback position. But I'd be with you. I think the move is right here on the Chargers. All right, let's take a look at a few more baseball games. We head to the Diamonds. We go to South Florida for the Rays hosting the New York Yankees. The Yankees got another win on Tuesday. That's three wins in a row for the Pinstripers. They pick up a game on the Boston Red Sox in the division. This one will be Garrett Cole against Colin McHugh. And New York is a pretty heavy favorite, of course, with their ace on the hill. Minus 200 on the money line west with a total of seven. And obviously tough to face uh, fade Garrett Cole, who I believe would be the Cy Young favorite, at least right now. It's very early. 161 ERA, 209 on the XFIP. That's absolutely outstanding. But we mentioned in our breakdown of this game yesterday, which ended up being a 3-1 Yankees victory, that we liked the under, and the under did get there for me last night because the Rays really have kind of owned the Yankees uh, to start the season. I think that was only the Yankees' second win over Tampa. Rays had gotten the better of them early on, but the Rays are not really hitting very well at home. Their numbers are near the bottom of not only the American League, but also Major League Baseball. So initial look would be to the total. However, you do have Colin McHugh who is still kind of working in that opener role. I think eventually they'd like him to be a back-end starter in this rotation. That's what I think Kevin Cash wants to do. But he's still in kind of that evaluation process here coming off that injury. So did not play this one. Would not want to necessarily lay this dough at the Yankees because the Rays, say for last night, have kind of gotten the better of this team. And obviously you're taxed in the market with Garrett Cole. So as of now, nothing for me. All right, let's take a look at the battle going on in the NL Central between the Cardinals and the Brewers. 440 Pacific, 740 Eastern. It'll be John Gant facing Brandon Woodruff. And St. Louis just keeps on winning. That's four in a row now and eight of their last ten. They lead Milwaukee by three games in the division. The Brewers a solid favorite behind Woodruff here today, though. Minus 175 with a total of 7.5. Yeah, and a half. this has already been steamed, so you might want to lay the minus 1 if you can, or even the run line. I usually don't like to lay run lines with favorites, but this might be a spot where you can do so because, simply put, John Gant is going to regress right now. His walk or his strikeout-to-walk ratio is just 1.04, which is unfathomable for a starter that's got a 2.15 ERA through six starts this season. Season. Look at his whip. 170 on the whip. That's walks and hits per innings pitch. That's high. That is very high. And when you're not striking out very many guys, just eight batters through nine innings, you know, Gant's not exactly missing bats here. So I think you're going to see a regression. He's kind of hanging on right now. He's more of a middle relief or kind of a maybe a setup guy type out of the bullpen when Miles Michaelis gets back from his rehab start in AAA. You got to think he's going to retake that spot in the rotation. Milwaukee's already moved here big, but I still would 
lay it rather than take it. Yeah, I got on Milwaukee earlier uh, last night, I believe it was, uh, in the neighborhood of minus 160, minus 165. So I am on the Brew Crew. Kind of lean towards the over in this game as well. How about the show that they call Shohei Otani last night? What a performance. The Angels and the Astros are going to go at it again, Wes. Any opinion? I mean, the Astros end up winning that game. Poor Otani. He ends up on the wrong end of a 5-1 defeat. What do you think? Uh, this is the rubber match in Houston tonight. Small lean to the Angels, even though the Astros are really getting the money. But I think your quitties due for a little negative regression, and Heaney might be due for the positive. Just 273 on the XFIP this season. All right, that is going to do it from the South Point. We send it over to the guys at Circa for the nuts. Amal Shah and Mike Palm will take you the rest of the way right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. 